Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 31 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. I'm Justin Hughes, and with me tonight is Andrew McQuiston. Andrew, we're now on the All-Star break. Where on earth has the season gone? It is flying. We're halfway done. We're actually over halfway done because, you know, they have the All-Star break usually around 90 games or so. It just goes so fast every year. It does, yeah. I always think that every year. It's like you wait for it and then it gets here and it's gone. Just so quick. The off-season feels like it's eight months long and the season feels like it's four. I think that's the way to say it. Yeah, no doubt. Okay, well, on tonight's episode, we are going to talk about the AL Central, and we're going to focus specifically on the top two teams, just like we did with the AL East. Top two teams on one podcast and split it off and do the bottom three teams on the second podcast. So we got Twins and Indians to talk tonight, and those are two loaded systems. You ready to get started, Andrew? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. And right now, these standings are as of late Friday night, is whenever I pulled the notes here. And right, the Twins are 54 and 32. They are six up on the Indians, who are 48 and 38, the hot Indians, who are gaining some ground here. The White Sox are 12 back at 41 and 43. And the two cellar dwellers, we have the Tigers at 28 and 54, 24 games back. And the Royals are 29 and 59 and 26 games back. And Andrew, if you had told me before the season that at the All-Star break, there would be a team with a six-game lead in the AL Central, the Twins would not have been my first choice. But here we are. The Twins are running away with the Central and have a record that's right there with the Astros and Yankees as the top of the American League. It's pretty remarkable how good they've been this year so far. I'd say they're maybe the most pleasant surprise in the first half of the American League, if not the entire major leagues. Yeah, they're definitely the most uh, most surprising team so far. I Call me crazy, but I still don't believe it. Yeah, I think I saw you notice, mention the other day that when, when you had noticed the Twins were or Indians were seven games or six games back at that point, and you mentioned it, and you can't rule it out. If the Twins get themselves healthy, they can get hot. They're playing good ball right now, and the Twins, a lot is going right for them right now. And all it takes is a couple of those things going back and heading back to the mean the the median, and yeah, I wouldn't shock me if the Indians got back in in this thing and won that division. And yeah, like a, I, uh, it might be a little bit of a hot take, but I still think the Indians are going to win the division. I, not a shocker. It would not shock. Yeah, it's just it's they're far enough back that it, it is. It's kind of tough, but it's not like it's insurmountable. I mean, six games, it, it can be made up pretty quick, especially when you consider that there's about seventy-five ish games left. So. Yeah, I think it, I, I'm just sticking kind of with my preseason call on that because I, I feel like a- absolutely everything's gone right for the Twins. Yes. And a lot has gone wrong for the Indians. Like, they've got nothing out of Kluber, and Ramirez has been 
terrible and Lindor was out a month and here they are still hanging in there, you know? So yeah, I, I mean, we'll see, but I still, uh, I feel like they're going to catch him. I'll always go back to 2007 with the Phillies and the Mets when the Mets had, I think an eight or nine game lead going into the beginning of that month. And the Phillies came back and won that division. And that was, you know, with 25, 30 games left. So a six-game lead with 75 games left seems like nothing still. Yeah. So we'll start off talking twins here. And like I, we've been saying, a lot of the players have worked out or hit some new levels this year in terms of production. Eddie Rosario, Rosario he had a breakout 2018 campaign, and he's still hitting another level this year. Jorge Polanco's had a breakout. Byron Buxton is having his longest string of success in his career. Jake Odorizzi, I mean, who saw this coming? He's having a great season. It feels like I can just keep going. Everything is going right this year for the Twins for, through 86 games. Yeah, it really is. It's pretty crazy. So let's start off with the top of the Twins lineup. And Max Kepler, another one of the guys who's had a great season after he's um, – a breakout, you could say. 21 home runs, 266 batting average, and a 342 on base percentage so far in 77 games. And that's compared to all of last year where he hit 20 home runs, had a 224 batting average, and a 319 on base percentage. Is this breakout real? Uh, somewhat, yeah. I mean, I, I'm kind of in between on it, personally. You know, what I like about him, he controls the strike zone really well. He's not striking out too much. He really didn't last year either. That's, you know, Rich Wilson talks him up on the Prospect 361 podcast quite a bit. And I think it's that K and walk rates what had his attention. But he's having a solid year. He's hitting more fly balls in the air, hitting at, getting more out at a better rate. And his hard hit rate is up to where... Really, there's not much in here that looks like it's not for real. Even as Babip, looking at his batting average on balls in play, it's still an incredibly low 257, which he's always been a career low batting average on balls in play guy. So I'm not saying that I expect that to improve significantly. I think there's some truth to that. But yeah, he's having a heck of a year so far. And I'm not saying I'm expecting him to improve or hit even 40 home runs, but I think he's a good. I think he's a good player who's going to keep producing. We'll see. Yeah. Well, let's play a dynasty him or him game with other outfielders that are in their twenties here, Andrew. And I'm going to start at the top and work my way down with some outfielders. I and start with well, I guess I shouldn't say the top and Mike Trout, but just about near his level. <laughs> Mike yeah, Trout that... and Max Kepler, Andrew. Who you got? <laughs> oh, I, I can't decide. <laughs> Okay, realistically, we'll go to start with Michael Conforto. Uh, Conforto. Okay. Mitch Haniger? Uh, I'm pretty sure I'd take Haniger, but it's a little closer. Getting closer. Marcelo Zuna? How old is Ozuna? Like 27? I think he's 27, maybe 28. I don't have it right in front of me. Um, I think I'd take Ozuna. 
and Kepler's 26. Just yeah, Ozuna's 28, and Kepler's uh 26. Yeah, okay. yeah, I take I take Ozuna. What about your boy David Dahl? Dahl. Okay. <laughs> I think this is where the line is. We'll see. Nicholas Castellanos. Yeah, Kepler. <laughs> okay, we'll keep going down and see if it's just because I know you're not a big Castellanos guy. No more Mazzara. Uh, think I would take Mazzara. Oh, really? But I'm, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's pretty close. I think I'd go Kepler there, and I'm the Mazzara mark, and I still feel like Mazzara has another level in him, but. Yeah. What I'm hoping he does is what Kepler's doing right now. It's where I think I'd go Kepler. Yeah, that's, that's totally fair. But I don't know. I still think Mazar could explode one of these years. Heck, nah, we'll get to him next episode, and I'm sure I'll talk about him for a while. Uh, Yasiel Puig? Man, I, I think I'd take Kepler. Uh, it's yeah, fairly fairly close again. I don't. I don't really like Puig, but I. You could probably say I'm not that high on Kepler either. I guess I don't know. He's all right, but yeah, he's having a good season. What about Gregory Polanco? Kepler. Okay, so it looks like it is. Right he's kind of him. in the. Yeah, he's kind of in the middle of these guys. I feel like. Yeah. Okay. Well, that that's still a pretty solid player right there. That's a. Do you you disagree with any of those or? No, no. I think Mazar is the one when you said you'd take Mazar. I'm like, I think I'm going Kepler there. Yeah. Yeah, that's D- coin. It's kind of a coin flip. Dahl, I'm also, I might go Kepler, but I, no, I, I don't know. That Dahl's injury history in the Dynasty League still scares me. But, man, he does have some serious upside. I, that one I'd really have to think about. Okay. Move on to Jorge Polanco. He's having a big breakout. He's another big breakout guy for the Twins this season. He missed the first half of last year with a PED suspension. And in the second half, he was good, but not great. Six home runs, seven steals, 288 batting average in the second half after returning. But this year, he's hitting for more power and a higher average. 13 home runs and a 318 batting average after hitting another one on Friday night. The one downer is he isn't running as much or with his, with good success. He's three for six on the base paths, and last year he was only seven for 14. And Andrew, I did some digging on Polanco this week to see what's going on because I do have a share in both of my dynasty leagues. But before I share my thoughts that I came to, I thought I'd ask what your thoughts are on Polanco in this breakout. Uh, I like Polanco. Yeah, I, I always, um, you know, coming up, I was kind of interested, kind of thought he could be a steady, like just, you know, good hitter, solid power, a little bit of speed, maybe, you know, like it was like you could kind of squint and see five category production. And he hasn't completely delivered on that i mean he's not really getting the steals and you know but it's it's pretty good he's a good hitter overall i i don't think you can complain much yeah i've always uh 
always kind of been a fan. I feel like people now, the la- you know, this season pretty much are, are kind of starting to open their eyes to him a little bit. I, I feel... I felt like kind of before this year, a lot of people just never really paid much attention to him. But Yeah, definitely. I think that he's been under the radar, hitting all over the lineup. But going into this year, we talked about the intrigue we had in him because he looked, sounded like he was going to hit atop that Twins lineup. And come and he, lo and he's, behold, stuck, he's stuck there, too. That's kind of been nice. Yes. You he's know. been hitting one or two. I, I probably should look year. at look and see how many games he's actually not hit for a second. I think he's hit third a couple times, but he's been in that top half of the lineup, I think, every game this year. And yeah. he's earned it. So there were a few I, I actually I'll say I own a share in each dynasty league and before doing some digging, I th- thought, man, the way he's performing but not running, this guy may be somebody I should be looking into selling and it was good to take some time to dig because it did change my mind on this. And there are a few interesting things I came across while looking at Polanco's season so far this year. Both this year and last, something interesting is his BABIP was is 345. That's something you don't see every day. Somebody with the exact same BABIP, batting average on balls in play, that is. Yeah. So... How is his average 30 points higher this year then? Because he hit 288 last year, and he's, I guess, 25 points higher. And the big thing is his strikeout rate last year, it was good at 18%, but this year it's he's dropped it down to 14%. And then I went and looked at the batted ball data and was really pleased with what I saw there. Last year he was hitting home runs at only 6.7% of the fly balls he was hitting out in, in the air. And this year... It's up a bit, but it's still only 8.5%. That had me wondering about his hard hit rate. I'm like, well, if he's not hitting that high of a percentage out, is he? What's his, how hard is he hitting the ball? And last year, he had a 45% medium contact and only 32% hard contact. And this year, he significantly raised that to where it's 43% medium still, but his hard contact's all the way up to 40%. And his fly ball rate's significantly up this year also, He's up to 50% fly balls and 25% line drives and only 24% ground balls. And those are jumps from last year. So upon looking at this and knowing that he just turned 26 on Friday, I think there could still be some more power in the bank here, whether it's this year or down the line. And again, I was thinking about selling, but given how well he's producing and hitting atop a pretty good twins lineup, but it seems the running is stopping, but I still think this guy has another level in him with the power. Yeah, very possible. I I think he's a hold. I, I don't think I would sell him. Yeah. I, I just don't, I don't think somebody's going to give. I know you like him too, and if you had him, or like if you have him, I don't think you're going to find someone that wants him more, I guess if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, then... I kind of think about that stuff sometimes. I, I just, I don't know. If somebody's really, really, I guess it depends on their interest level like any other time. But, yeah, I just find it hard to believe. Yeah, you're right. I've People have hit me up on him in both of my dynasties, and it doesn't seem like anybody's really, like, overly ambitious on getting him. They're just more trying to see if they can get a kid at a discounted rate. And yeah. Haven't really been interested in that. 
and now I'm less interested in it. Okay. Let's move on to Byron Buxton and what a roller coaster of a career this guy's had so far. He was the number one overall prospect back in the day, and he kept injuring himself in the minors, missing chunks of seasons, and yet still seemed like he was getting rushed to the big leagues. He made his debut in late 2015, which is kind of surprising to think about that he's been in the league for four years now, Andrew. And since then, it's been a roller coaster of terrible slumps, high strikeouts, and some hot streaks that bought people in for the next season. But that was until last year. He was dreadful in April of last year. He started at the top of the lineup, and they were saying he was going to hit there, stay up there. And if I recall right, by the end of the first week, he was already down in the nine hole. 28 games, he hit 156, zero home runs, struck out 30% of the time, and walked only 3%. He was an absolute mess. And the Twins sent him down to AAA, where he proceeded to once again get hurt and miss a good portion of the ceiling season he was back late in the year but i do remember the team informing him that he wasn't coming up there as the minor league season ended as and rosters expanded but spring training came around this year buxton looked like a new man he said he had worked on his swing with it in the offseason saying i think his quote i went and dug this up was everything with my swing is now me i didn't go to a hitting coach i didn't work out with anyone I worked out by myself, I hit by myself, and that's where I'm going to stay. Said he isn't really overthinking things anymore, and I guess that's worked. After a strong spring, he's having a really good first half with a two fifty two batting average, three eleven on-base percentage, nine home runs, ten steals. And while that may not blow you away, I will add that the BABIP is two ninety nine, twenty 20 points lower than it's been in his career. His strikeout rate for his career is 30%, and this year it's all the way down to 23%. And he's putting the ball in the play a lot more. He's putting the ball in the air more. Last year's fly ball rate was 33%, and this year it's all the way up to 50%. I'd say whatever, he definitely made some swing adjustments in this offseason. Whatever it is, he needs to stick with that, Andrew. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been good. It's definitely exciting to see his We've all, uh, well, not all of us, but a lot of people have been kind of waiting for him to take some steps forward, and seems like he has somewhat this year. It's not, he could still get better, there's no doubt about that, but uh, he's definitely made a lot of strides. So, How convinced are you that he's turned the corner? How much are you buying into these improvements? Uh, he still, he still makes me nervous. I mean, I, I don't completely buy into it yet, but I, I know the upside is still, I still feel like he has the ceiling that I thought he had, you know, a couple years ago. I just, it's, it's, hard. It's, it's, it's hard for me to get last year out of my head. I mean, it is. Yeah, and anybody who you know, it just, had a it just share is. of him, anybody who had a share of him last year, they have. I, I totally get it, and we've seen this before. These hot stretches where he's played well. I I think in those hot stretches he's had, he was still striking out a ton. But I totally get the fears, and I don't blame anybody for saying, you know, this is great. 
I think if I have a share, I'm going to go on and cash in now and just feel like no matter what, at least I got, got them out. I got good value out of them because I think he does have some really good trade value right now. And if you aren't convinced, you can sell him and get a pretty good return. Yeah. Yeah. You might be able to, I think you got to make sure you're dealing with the right guy, but yeah. Yeah. I'd be, if I was moving Buxton and dynasty, I would be making sure everybody knew because somebody's needing steals and a guy who can possibly go 20, 20 for you there. Somebody should be paying for that. Even if he's hitting in the nine hole and, What's crazy to me about that is, despite being in the nine hole most of the season, in 69 games, he has 41 runs scored and 38 RBI, with a big part of that is that the Twins lineup this year has been awesome, but also Buxton's producing. And man, I'd love to see him get a run in the five hole, six hole, something like that, or at least see him leading off against lefties, because Kepler... Whenever lefties pitch, Kepler usually is knocked down to the six or seven hole where he doesn't start. They put Polanco at lead off, and man, I'd love to see Buxton up there. If anything else, just versus lefties. Yeah, I think I think one of my problems with him right now, and he has been better, like I said, but I'm not really convinced at all that he's going to get to the top of the lineup on that team. Like I'm just not. So then yeah. you're looking. Then you're looking at a guy that's hitting in the lower third of the order, which, you know, that's, you can still be valuable there, but it does make a difference. It, yep. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's kind of tough. I, I feel like it kind of caps the, uh, the ceiling that you would put on him. I, I will say, I, I think he might have one of the biggest gaps from ceiling to floor in the entire baseball universe. I mean, but yeah, well, yes, it would be best player on the planet and worst player on the planet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty close. I mean, yeah, it's um, it's a pretty wide gap. But I will say that I, I do. I feel like I'm less confident that he's going to get to that ultimate ceiling than I was like a year ago. Yeah, I just, I just. It's still there, but I am not as confident that he's going to get to that. Abs- I'm talking the absolute ceiling, like a first-round pick, basically. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what – I just – I don't – I'm not as confident in it. I don't think it's going to be that either. I, I wouldn't be trying to bank on that. I did get him oh, – yeah, dis- I got a bank. discounted share on him in a dynasty startup this year, and I'm happy to have it, and I still think that if he can get up there in the lineup, he can – put a few more counting stats up with it with those runs in RBI, but yeah, I'm not sitting here banking on the fact that this guy could be 20-40 someday, like I was before. I mean, it's possible, but I'm yeah. I, the odds have slimmed. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Nelson Cruz. He just turned 39, but he's getting it done once again. Do you want to take a moment, Andrew, and give some appreciation of what this guy's done for your teams over the year? <laughs> I love him, man. I just—he's great. It's consistency year in and year out, you know. And he's at the age where everybody's just done with it, or a lot of people are are done with him, you know. Or they they think he's about to fall off, and he will. I mean, he he definitely will. But 
it uh it hasn't really happened yet <laughs> the he's slipping a little but I'm t- when I when you look at his season stats the last few years but it's not much <laughs> the yeah. the little it is is so little that I don't really discount him any from what he's doing in terms of 44 home runs 43 39 37 and he only has 16 well actually has 16 and 59 games played but never I mind. think the biggest I think the biggest uh the biggest thing with him now is just being healthy. Yep. Because I am so sold that average in power, I mean, how much track record do you need? You know, it's like he has all that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know what you're getting. I mean, you just hope he can stay out there. Obviously, he's a DH, so you would think that would help his cause, but he's also 39 years old. So, mm-hmm. It's um, it won't last forever. But anybody who's been betting against him for the last five years has been wrong every time. So zero for five. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's a stud. I'm a big fan. Me too. Okay, what about catcher Mitch Garver? Two eighty five batting average, three sixty seven on base, twelve home runs, and forty two games played this season. Andrew, do you think Garver's real life or is this make believe? Uh, I think it's pretty real. I mean, as far as, you know, like we've mentioned before, the catcher landscape is just so bad. He's hitting the ball hard. He's on a good team. I'm more surprised, of anything, of just how much playing time he's been able to carve out. I mean, yeah. coming, into, coming into the year, I would have never had Mitch Garver as the most valuable catcher in minnesota even so nope yeah it's like it's pretty wild but um but yeah you just kind of go with it i mean it's been good yeah he's kept astadillo astadillo down in the minor leagues for portions of this season and splitting time with castro that's why you know he did have an injured list stint but they pretty much flip those guys every other game. So he's not one of those guys that's going to be playing 130, 140 games a catcher, even over a healthy season right now. But he's still going to be really good when he's out there. And given the landscape of the catcher, that is good enough. Yeah, Okay. sure. Let me ask you this. Where on earth did this Jake Odorizzi breakout come from? I have no idea. It's it's been good, been real good. His ex fits his ex fits still pretty high, so just something to be aware of. But yeah, he's been good. It's actually surprisingly high, given how many batters he's striking out per nine and walking. You wouldn't think that would equate to a four six x fit. I noticed that yesterday too when I was doing the notes. It's kind of surprising. But so in doing that, the underlying stats, they're not good. So the stat, they say regression's coming. But Andrew, is this someone you think you can get something of value out of in, di- in most leagues? Or is this a guy you think you just ride until it ends? Uh, I think you might be able to get value. It kind of, uh, it kind of just depends. I mean... Somebody who needs pitching, you never know. 
I feel like you might be able to, but I do think it'll it'll end at some point. I don't know if it'll be this season or next season, but I don't think we're going to be sitting here, you know, 315 ERA, whatever. I mean, that's uh, the days that that is going to be that is uh, probably going to be short-lived. So. But, yeah, I think you could get value out of them. Because if somebody's not yeah. going to fan graphs and look at seeing that XFIP and they're looking at everything else. Yeah, I mean, he's on think- a good team. He's on a good team. He's getting the – he's got, you know, good numbers on so yeah, I would I would think that you could. But. Okay, well let's move over to his teammate Jose Barrios, and he's having a third really good season in a row. Andrew, do you think this guy is now an ace in fantasy baseball? Uh, I think he's a really good pitcher. I don't think I consider him an ace, though. No. And what what do you feel like when you say that? What do you feel like the cutoff is for being an ace, a top ten pitcher? Uh, I don't think that I don't think that it's really like a hard number that it has to be a certain amount of guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like you kind of have to earn a status a little bit not that Barrios hasn't earned it I mean he's been he's been good but I don't know I guess I just feel like there's guys with more upside and while I think he's a good pitcher I think like aces are more than good pitchers they're great pitchers and I don't think he's a great pitcher. I think he's a good pitcher. I really like the way you said that there. Because he's not even striking out a batter per inning this year right Yeah, now. yeah. And I think you've got to at least be doing that if you want and to be I, considered nice. And I will say, I don't want it to be taken like I don't like him. Because I do think he's good. He is good. Uh, there's no doubt. you know. And I, I, see, I can see him being a reliable pitcher for a long time i mean he's young he's really good all that and you know there may be a season where he pops up and he's right there contending for the cy young or something but i just don't think he's a long-term ace i just don't okay well let's play a dynasty him or him game then and kind of see how many of these guys around his age you'd take him over and I'm going to start right off with a guy who's having a really terrible season so far, and that's Noah Syndergaard. Um, I'd take Syndergaard. Just for the upside. Uh, what about your boy Chris Paddock? I'd probably take Barrios. Okay. Well, that, that's interesting, and that might make the rest of these guys not worth bringing up. I'm, yes. What about Luis Castillo? Having a real good year? Yeah, I'd take Castillo. And I'm, the next guy I'm going to mention. Uh, I think I've always kind of lumped those two together a little bit, Castillo and Barrios. But 
I think there's just a little bit more juice in Castillo with like K's and stuff. Yeah. I think that I, and NL, you know, I slightly lean there and yeah, I think I'd go with Castillo. This one might not be fair because he's injured right now, but Tyler Glass now. And if you want to play the mulligan Bar- of Barrios, I okay. take Barrios. Yeah. What What if Glasnow had not had that injury and was still pitching? Do you think he'd be ahead of Pitch, Barrios by now? Pitching the way he was? Yeah. <laughs> or at least I mean, really good. I think Glasnow, I still, I mean, I still now even think Glasnow has a higher ceiling. But, uh-huh. I mean, uh, it's probably not by a lot in Barrios's obviously a really solid pitcher it yeah it's some would probably argue glass down but i think the floor is high enough with barrios that i'd just probably go with him even though i'm even though i'm typically a ceiling guy but in a 15 team league i think hearing you say list these guys off i think you've got barrios as a low end one or a very high end number two yeah depending on how that goes and that sounds right and i agree with you Okay, let's move on and ask about the the closer situation. Do you think the Twins bring in a closer for the stretch run, or do you think they go into the playoffs with Blake, Car- Blake Parker and company as their October bullpen? I mean, I would expect them to be among a handful of teams in on any of these guys like Will Smith or... any other uh, relievers that are moved at the deadline that can help. I would expect them to be really on starters too, but Mm -hmm. like they're one of those teams I mentioned Philly and I know you mentioned Milwaukee with Bumgarner, but they're kind of one of those teams that the twins, I feel like they could go after Bumgarner and, uh, and Will Smith. You know, yeah. it's po- possibility, you know, so. And they've got the high they end should prospects be, to do that, too. Yeah, they should be, uh, they should be in on them. I don't think it'll take high end prospects, really, but we'll see. Maybe, maybe I'm not talking like even getting up into Kirloff, Royce Lewis, probably not even Trevor Larnick, but like a Jordan Belazovic and a Wander Javier or something like that. Get a package around guys like that. It's too top hundred guys, but low end top hundred guys or something like that. I think that can be done. Okay. Well, let's move on to the prospects and the twins do have a lot of quite a few high end prospects in their organization right now on some lists. They even have two of the top 10 guys. The headliners are Royce Lewis, a 20 year old shortstop who's playing in high A this year, who isn't having the greatest season. And you could, Say the same about Alex Kirilov, who's missed quite a bit of time this year, but with injuries. So let's start with Lewis. Is your eyebrow raised at all with the struggles that he's had this season? Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, I think he will. I think he'll ultimately be fine, but. We're getting a growing sample here of him being bad. So it's just something to watch. I think he'll be all right, though. I I would probably 
I think when we did our, when we ranked our prospects, I had him like third or fourth among the guys that hadn't made their debut or it was something in there. And I, he'd probably drop a few spots, but it wouldn't be much. I wouldn't go crazy, but I feel like when you're putting him next to guys at that level, you have to adjust a little bit for the fact that he's not performing. I mean, he's got a 279 OBP and half a major or half of a minor league season. I mean, it's mm-hmm. rough. It's rough. And it's not only that, but, you know, let's go to the first half of last year where he played 75 games in low A and he was hitting 315, not striking out that much, nine home runs, 22 stolen bases. And, even in the midway point of last year, when he was called up to high A, he hit two fifty five with a two ninety one on base or uh, three twenty seven on base percentage, five home runs, six steals, and it's just he's not hit for a decent average since he's moved to high A. And maybe it's the BABIP, and maybe there's something to it. I mean, I'm not seeing the exit velocities and hard hit rates yet. I know that you can see that stuff on RotoWire, and there's probably something I should. Go look hard, into, but I know the hard the hard hit rate's pretty low. I was looking it? at I was looking at it just the other day. Yeah, and he's pulling the ball a lot. And he's not walking. You know, it's just. I mean, he's so talented that he could get himself out of it. I mean, there's no doubt about that. But I just feel it's something that you gotta give some credit to. It's it's over 300 at bats now. It's not. It's not like it's just been a couple weeks. So mm-hmm. so we'll move into my next question. Do you think it's clearly on a list Royce Lewis still above Alex Kirilov? You know, I haven't even looked recently at what Kirilov's doing. I, I don't think he's been that great either. No, he hasn't. He's yeah. not had a great season. Yeah, I would, st- I would still have Lewis ahead of him. Kirilov has played 44 games in Double A. He's hitting 272 with a 363 on base, but only two home runs and three steals. I do hear people say that power is coming, and it will be here eventually. And God, I hope that's not this. That sounds very familiar to what I remember hearing about Nomar Mazar years back. Hopefully, that's not a fair comp to him. But yeah, he's not having this. He's not blowing the doors off by any means this year. Yeah. Okay, well, Trevor Larnick, he's having a solid season in high A, but he does only have five home runs also and 258 at-bats, and Larnick's 22. Is the power missing something? Is is the missing power something that you should be alarming owners? No, I think he's fine. He's stud. Yeah. I have a share. I'm excited about him. Actually, I have him and Kirilov on that team. So, go Twins. They're going to be, uh, man. It's going to be it's going to be real interesting when they get these those three pretty much that we just talked about when they get up. I mean, it's going to be a little bit, but it's going to be exciting. It will be because they've already got young major league talent right now to play with them. Yeah, Twins have got a bright future here. Yeah, no doubt. And we both grabbed shares of Jordan Belazovic this year in dynasty leagues. And I know why he caught mine. Why don't you tell listeners why he caught yours? Uh, to be honest with you, 
it wasn't even so much of him catching my eye. It was just he was available and he's been pitching great. I mean, he's having a really good year. Um, he's the right size for like a righty, you know, just to get the downhill plane on the fastball, 6'4". That's that's good, you know. I I usually like with righties seeing like 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and up mm-hmm. because, you know, just – you get too short of righty, and it, it sometimes it just doesn't work out. So, but yeah, he's he's good size, and he's pitching great. I mean, he's having an awesome season. He's got some stuff. He's moved ahead of Bruce Dark Gratterall on a lot of lists that I've seen, and uh, Bruce Dark he's seen a drop in strikeouts this year on the mound. I know I'd personally be alarmed if I had a share of him. I don't, but what do you think, Andrew? Is this just a blip, or would you be alarmed? Yeah, a little bit. I've always, I don't know. I've never been real big on him, but. Any other prospects you want to discuss here? They've got, they've got some, a few other names. Uh, I kind of like Marcel Urbina just as like a kind of a flyer. He was a J2 guy. I'm pretty sure he was J2 last year. Yep. Um, in the in the mix, you know, with like Noel V. Marte and obviously Luciano and Victor Victor and all those guys. He was Aravis Martinez, all of them. So just a good, real good hit tool guy. Real young. Rookie ball, you know, but I got a couple shares of him. I like him. Wander Javier is another guy who I had a real soft spot for. Really liked him last year. I d- he d- tore that labrum and was out the whole season and he was getting floated around in Rotomasters two by Nico because I think he I could tell he had a roster jam and he was just looking to see if he could get a draft pick upgrade and I went to go look into him and man he's still striking out a ton in low A. And it kind of made me a little more worried because the tools are there. That's a guy who if he could ever get the hit tool part down, he's got the tools to be a real good player, but one fifty nine batting average this year. With a two sixty two on base, thanks to that thirty one percent strikeout rate, to where hit I wouldn't be. I don't think I don't know. Maybe if I had a really bare farm system because I was winning, plan to win now, maybe I'd roster him. But I think it'd take one of those situations at this point. Man, I tell I tell you too. Just one more thing here, Luis Arias. Have you seen what this guy's done? Uh, isn't he hitting like four hundred? Not only that, but even if you just look at the minors, I mean, yeah, he, right now he's hit. It's you know whatever it is, seventy at bats or something like that. But wow, his OBP right now, yeah, his OBP is just stupid. I mean, I know uh, our good friend Brian Crump traded for him today in arm too, but I know he loves him. He's talked him up and. I tell you, it's one of those guys you don't really see a lot of power or speed. But if you get, if he gets either one, like probably more likely to get the power, I guess, then you don't really just all of a sudden get speed. <laughs> <laughs> but if he uh, if he gets in, gets to any type of power, like I said, he hasn't he hasn't had any in the minors. But I don't know. You just never know with this juice ball. He's only twenty two, and he can hit. I mean, he clearly can hit. I mean that's pretty clear. So, yeah, just uh, just somebody to be aware of. I 
I feel like he's somebody that's just started to get a little bit of helium that could keep going. I do. I feel like he could keep on that uh, kind of upward path to being pretty good. So we'll kind of have to wait and see. But he's young and just another interesting guy that they got. I chuckle looking at this Fangraphs page because I remember Williams Ostadio Astadio about a year ago, and he, it looks very similar except for the fact that this guy's walking, and that's yeah. the one thing he didn't. But he puts everything in play. It looks like, yeah, but doesn't hit for much power and doesn't have the speed, huh? All right, Andrew. Now we're going to move on to the Indians, and this has been an interesting roller coaster of a season. They started out real rough. Uh, just they cut payroll this past off season. Seemed like the favorites to win the central going into the into the season with the division, and started out rough, but they do seem to be working their way back. And Andrew, I know you said you wouldn't be surprised if they still came back and won it, but man, this team has been disarray most of the season, especially the offense. Yeah, they're coming along. I feel like for as much as gone wrong to only be six backs, it'll be six and a half after tonight. It's pretty good. So There is time. And the good news is they've had a good run the last few weeks. The season ended right now. They'd actually be the second wildcard team to make the playoffs in the, AL, in the, in the American League. So, Andrew, you said you think they'll win the division. So, I guess... You're sticking with that there to where do you think, do you think the AL central gets a wild card? Uh, gosh, I guess I almost have to say no. Cause I said Boston last show and you did, didn't you? So that's kind of like saying the twins aren't going to make the playoffs, which probably isn't going to happen. That's twins will probably make the playoffs. So, yeah, I huh. guess the I guess the Central has to get one. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Imagine think the Twins with that record not making the playoffs. I will say I I will say if the Twins hold on, like if they hold their lead and they win the division, I could easily see Cleveland not making it, just because mm-hmm. they're you know they're a little back and it's a long way to go. I just looked it up. The Twins and Red Sox, there's an eight-and-a-half game difference right now between them. Yeah. That's doable. Yeah, okay. sizable. But. Um, let's start off talking about the big two hitters, the guys that were supposed to be top five to ten players in drafts going into the season, and that'd be Lindor and Jose Ramirez. And Lindor was one who had the unfortunate ankle injury in February, and he was supposed to miss time all the way right up to the beginning of the season. And that went a bit later because of a setback, and he was out till April 20th. But he's been pretty solid since returning. 290 batting average, 12 home runs, and 12 steals in 66 games. And, you know, my personal fear would be how much he'd run after that injury. I thought there would be a chance he'd only steal 10 to 15 bags this year. But with 12 already in the first half, I'd say he's doing just fine there. Yeah, Lindor's a stud. He's if he's not my favorite player in baseball, he's in the top three or four. He's 
I can't say one bad thing about him. He's awesome. Yeah, he's a joy to watch. He's got good energy to him, and he does everything. Yep. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Uh, I don't even want to play game name games with him or him or him games. I think he's a top five player. Top. Yeah, five. he's right, right in that right range. Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The other top five pick from the Indians this year in redrafts was Jose Ramirez. And a year ago, right now, going into the All-Star break, Jose Ramirez had a 302 batting average, 401 on-base percentage, 29 home runs, 20 stolen bases, an OPS at 1.029, hard hit rate of 40%. This guy... It seemed pretty clear it was either him or Mookie Betts is the clear number two, or one of those two was the number two pick going into 2019 drafts. And then the second half, he had a rough go. A 218 batting average, 366 on base, so he was still getting it on base well. He did hit 10 home runs, had 14 steals, but his hard hit rate dropped all the way down to 28.5%. But despite all that, he was still a top five pick going into this year. And owners who have taken him early in drafts this year, they have to be disappointed. He's got a 214 batting average, a little over a 300 on base percentage, only seven home runs, but he does at least have 18 stolen bases chipped in. And his hard hit rate still is down from that first half of last year at 35 and a half percent. Now, all that said, his home run to fly ball rate is 3.8% this year, down from 16.9% last year. What are your thoughts on Ramirez and these struggles? It's just such a drastic turn. It's so it's so tough. He's a really uh, he's an interesting case. I mean, he's always been he's really been one of the best hitters in the league for the last few years and it's like now all of a sudden he just he's terrible I mean he can't he he's not hitting the ball hard at all I mean his hard hit percentage off I'm using baseball savant but it's the 13th percentile in the league so he's just gee it's awful his exit velocity isn't but I will say though that He's never, if I remember right, even going back to last year on some of this stuff, he's never been a crazy hard hit guy even then when he was crushing. So maybe that's not the uh, the best thing to look at. But I think some of it's bad luck. I think some of it is reg- him regressing. Last season was a clear peak season I mean it just was and he's gone backwards which I I figured he would I obviously wasn't predicting this but um yeah it's tough I I don't own him anywhere so I haven't really had to deal with it luckily but yeah it's it's been it's been rough I don't have any shares either but I wonder what the heck if you had him in a dynasty league do you do with this guy? And I did pull up some trade targets here, uh, him or him game to play. And this is, I don't know if there's a more difficult person 
to play this game with right now than Jose Ramirez. Would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. It's, it's, it's tough. And I'm going to start with some pretty heavy hitters. But Ramirez, obviously, he was a top, I think he went fifth or seventh in my startup dynasty this year. And that's about where he was going, sometimes even sooner. But who'd you rather have, Jose Ramirez or Giancarlo Stanton in the dynasty? Um, God, I think I'd take Stanton. I would, too. What about Manny Machado? It's tough though. He's been out all year. It's just yeah. Oh, uh, de- definitely Machado. That one's not even yeah. No doubt. Agreed. No. I think this is where it starts getting tough. Because I agree. I think I'm taking those two first two. Yeah, Machado's not even close to me. I'd easily yep. take Machado. Stanton is closer. What about Chris Bryant? Probably Bryant. I agree. Joey Gallo. Gallo's hitting for the higher average, and it's not close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, how many people would have had that, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm taking Gallo. Man. Austin Meadows. You could probably argue it. I, I'd probably take Ramirez, but yeah, it's you can argue it. I think I'm taking Meadows. What about Pete Alonso, who I think just hit his 29th home run or 28th? Yeah, that, I'm taking that I'm guy. Homers every day. I know. I'm taking Alonso. Okay. What about Mister Broken Rib right now from a massage therapist, Carlos Correa? Correa. Man, we're moving down. Reese Hoskins. That one's close to me, too. Um, yeah, you can go either way. I mean, I know you got Chapman here, too. Those They're close with, with him, I think. Which, but, Hoskins? Yeah. It's, Hoskins, I think, is like a top 50 player in Dynasty. So that's how much he's dropped to where... He's a. If you were doing a dynasty startup, you personally wouldn't be taking him till probably the fourth round. Yeah, I'd I'd probably take him over. Just me personally, I'd probably take him over Meadows and Hoskins, Chapman, Close. Yeah, I, I don't know, but the rest of these guys, I think I would take them over. Over Ramirez, it's well, tough. It's it's really tough. I I don't want to completely uh, crucify him. You know, I mean it's it's half of one season, but it's just been really bad. And he wasn't that good in the second half of last season either. I was about to jump in and say that when you said yeah. it's half of one season, I'm like, yeah, really, it was, it's a full season. Well, yeah, really, it is. Yeah, I, I was meaning more just thinking along the lines of this year because last yeah. year is. Overall season was good. That's kind of what I meant. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I will. I will say he he's really hard. Going back to the original point, he's one of the hardest guys to rank. So if you disagree with all these and you like him the most or you like him the least, I mean, 
that's fine because it's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of varying opinions on Jose Ramirez right now, and rightfully so. Yep. Okay. Well, let's move on to Carlos Santana, who's a career two fifty hitter and batting average, who's hitting two ninety eight this year, along with nineteen home runs. Here as we're going into the All Star break. Is this batting average that he has? Is this sustainable? Uh, what'd you say? He was hitting two ninety eight. I mean, two ninety eight. I don't think he'll hit two ninety eight. No, no, I don't either. I have, I haven't checked some of his peripherals or his BABIP. I don't know what that is, but well, I did check some, and his career BABIP. It's 267, and this year it's 310. His hard hit rate, though, for his career is 33.8%. And this is a plus. He does have a 46% hard hit rate this year. And his fly ball rate's actually down significantly. His home run to fly ball rate is almost double where it's been the previous few years. And that's kind of funny thinking he was in Philly last year, and now he's back in Cleveland, and he's hitting more home runs than he was in terms of percentage on his percentage of fly balls. And while the hard hit rate is helping, and that is helping his batting average, I'm not sure the home run jump we're seeing this year will sustain either. Yeah, um, I'm with you. He just had a had a really good first half, but Heck of prob- a year. probably the going to go down from here. Let's move to Jake Bowers. That's a guy who... I know you were kind of high on going into this year. I shouldn't say high on, but you liked him. And I'm, just, I'm going to ask it to you this way, because he hasn't had a great season. Two years from now, is he an everyday player in the major leagues? Yeah, I think he is. Okay. So you're, you're confident he's able to continue holding a, holding a spot somewhere in the lineup. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And, you know, for statistical sake... His batting average is 238, and we were saying before this year that we expected that 201 from last year to go up, and it has because batting average on balls in play was extremely low last year. But he does only have 10 home runs, two steals, so he's pacing for something like a 20 home run and five stolen base season, and that's the disappointment. We were talking about the possibility of him stealing 10 or 15 bags, and he's gonna ha- he better get going if he's going to get there. Yeah, it may not be uh, great the rest of this year, but he's the type of guy that I'd be considering trying to buy in Dynasty League. He's 23. He's always had a little bit of pedigree. and Yeah, I feel like you can get him cheap, so why not? I agree yeah, with that. He, he hasn't been good. What about Oscar Mercado? He has been good. 296 on uh, batting average, 345 on base, four home runs, six steals, and 41 games. How good is this guy? I think he's good in the sense that, you know, better than we expected coming into the year. I mean, it's been a good year for him. I don't think he's as good as he's performed to this point, though. If that if that makes any sense. Yeah, you're saying he's a good player, but not this good. Yeah. And, you know, I ended up moving him in a dynasty a couple weeks ago where I 
think I traded him in a package to get Jack Flaherty, and I was real happy to get that because I, I got him in a part of a deal for DD just a week before and was able to turn him around and get myself a pitcher that I really like, even though Flaherty's struggling. But he's been impressive, and I think most owners who have him so far have been real happy. It'll be, he's going to be an interesting one to watch, I think, the next year or two. Yeah, it's an intriguing combination of you know his like his skill set. Yeah, speed's hard to find, and he gives it. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to pitching, and Trevor Bauer. We're going to start with after pitching like an ace for the previous year and a half before this year. Bauer has regressed a little bit, and he's got a three seven four ERA, and his xFIP's actually worse at four three seven. He is still striking out 10 per nine, but walks are up to three and a half per nine. Andrew, do you think Bauer's still a fantasy ace? Right on the edge of it, yeah. Yeah. Put it this way. I think Bauer is more of a fantasy ace than Barrios. But, yeah, he, I mean, he's he hasn't been quite as good this year. I never really expected him to be, though. So it's hard to match the numbers he put up last year. Yeah, and but I will say though that yeah, I think the upside's there to be the best pitcher on the league one year. But yeah, I think I'm still with you though that I would call him a back end ace, slightly ahead of Barrios, who is in the like you were saying twelve to sixteen range, maybe or something like that. Bowers a Niche ahead, of, Nick ahead of that. Maybe the eight to twelve, eight to ten range. Maybe I'd have to look, but I feel like uh, I feel like with pitchers, it's or a lot of times it's you know you've got the four, five, six guys, however many it is that are always at the top, like Verlander, Sale, Scherzer, Degrom, whatever, Kershaw for a long time, obviously, and then you have. Like the next group is a little more fluid to where, you know, it's the guy that pops that year and then they just shoot up. And but it just too often, I think people expect those guys to repeat that season that they're just clearly not going to repeat. Like, you know, Blake Snell, Aaron Nola. I mean, there's. Those were two guys I was just totally off, and they're showing it now, you know? It's just, they just haven't, it's like when that guy just totally pops the one season, I don't know, vaulting them to all the way to the top, it, it's it's tough. There's, there's a few guys there at the very top that are hard to jump, but I feel like some of these guys, they just rotate a little bit, and Bauer's in that group somewhere, but um, anybody that he's another one, you know, it's thought he was going to produce what he did last year. I don't know. It's just it's like if I'm betting on one or the other, I, I'm betting against it. And here we are. Yeah, a lot of these guys yo-yo and Bauer. I think, again, this is a down year so far, but if this is the down and last year was the up. You could hope for getting somewhere in between, hopefully. I mean, that XFIP's yeah. not great right now, but it he can easily turn it around. Yeah, the ceiling's still there, for sure. Yep. 
Okay. Well, let's go to Corey Kluber. He also has not pitched like an ace this year either, and then fractured his arm. I don't think he's supposed to be back till September, if I recall. How confident are you that we pit, see Kluber pitch like a high end starting pitcher one, or even a maybe or a low end one, or maybe a high end two ever again? Not confident, but stranger things have happened. Yeah. You know, when you look and see what he did last year, he still pitched pretty well, really well. But I feel like I've been seeing these little chinks in the armor showing up the last year or so. And I wouldn't be feeling great about it either. I don't think now's the time to move. But if you could wait till he gets back and hope he strings together a couple good starts, I'd try flipping him this offseason for sure. Yeah. Okay. Fill in the blank. Shane Bieber is a top-blank dynasty pitcher. I always hate these because I just I don't have all of them sitting in a group in front of me. Um, off the top of my head, I would say 40. Yeah, so he's a 3. I think that's about right. Yeah, somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Well, I don't like to give too much of this information out because it's behind a paywall, but Ian Kahn writes a dynasty rankings on Rotowire, and he's got him. I think when you take the relievers out, I think he's got him around that range too. So, yeah, you're right in the ballpark with what he thinks. Okay, um, we're going to move on to Brad Hand. He's been really good this year, um, really good. Is he a top five closer, or do you think he's more like a top ten closer in redraft leagues at this point? Because he's been awesome. I let's see, pulling the stats up right now, he and he's got a two point five ERA, sixty strikeouts, twenty one or twenty three saves, and fifty five strikeouts. I should say with a two one ERA so far this year. That's pretty close to elite yeah he's right there if he's not top five he's like six or seven yeah Yeah, just outside it yeah he's right there well let me ask you this rest of season this is an interesting time to ask this question edwin diaz just got blown up again and he has had a rough few weeks who would you rather have rest of season brad hand or edwin diaz brad hand I don't think, I, you know, you just heard me get on here and argue Josh Hader a couple weeks ago, but it's been ugly with Diaz. I think I agree with you. I'd rather take I'd Hand. Still, I'd still take Diaz in Dynasty League, but Agreed. I would take uh rest of the season. I'm pretty sure I'd take Hand, yeah. Prospects. Time to talk Indians prospects. And before we started recording, Andrew was telling me that this may be one of your f- your favorite farm systems in baseball, Andrew. Is that true? Yeah. Yep. They got a lot of guys here. And it's just a lot of youth. A lot of like there's a lot of kids in rookie ball who have insane upside. I think that's the thing that makes this team intriguing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. they just got a lot of a lot of young talent. Really young talent. It's just really interesting and i feel like a lot of it is still a little off the radar even 
mm-hmm. to where to where it's not um, cuz you know most of them aren't really close but man they're killing those lower levels uh, they're just loaded and the guy who's i think killing them the most so far here in the early going is George Valera and you have touched on him before we did that podcast a month or two ago with our top 10 prospects who've yet to make their major league debut and Valera didn't make our top tens, but both of our lists, he was just outside of them. So Andrew Valera's off to a great start again this year in rookie ball. But why is it that you love Valera so much? Who you've told me there's a swing that he reminds you of. Yeah. He, he it's like a spitting image of Robinson Cano. I mean, beautiful see, swing in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I, um, I've watched a couple of I've watched a few of his uh of his at bats this year too. Like, you know, you can get the video, but I've just pulled their games up. He's on uh he's in short season on Mahoning Valley. They have him, Rokio, uh Ethan Hankins, who's a pitcher that they drafted last year. And I think they got one other guy. I forget. But um, I think Jonathan Rodriguez, which he's like more like a top 15 prospect in their system. But uh, it's just it's put it this way for a short season team. It's loaded. It's completely loaded. And uh, yeah, Valera is obviously the main guy. But yeah, he just everything from the bat waggle and all that. He just looks like Cano when he hits. And yeah, I think he's a stud. I think he's got a lot of floor for a guy that young. Because his hit tool is elite. I mean, there's been Soto comps thrown out there a little bit with him, too, that may be a little over the top, but it may not be, too. I mean, he's he's a stud, for sure. I'm excited. I have two Dynasty Leagues and two shares. I heard about a year ago, I started hearing the Soto comp at that time. That was the swing I was hearing. He's got the Soto swing, and since then, I've heard much more with Cano comparisons, and I think that's more generally known now. But I got in on him early. He was one that I feel very fortunate to do so because he's made his way into top 20s on some of these prospect lists now. I think I've yeah. seen him even close to 10. Yeah, I think the Cano stuff is just more the way he looks when he swings. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Soto stuff is just the fact he's an outfielder and – is a hit tool type without, you know, he doesn't really have much speed. So, yeah. And he's a left, you know, left-handed hitter and all that, but yeah, I mean, I, I love Lara. I mean, we've talked about him plenty of times. So the Indians have a lot of other top hundred prospects in baseball, fantasy baseball right now. Andrew, why don't you, I'm just going to list them off these guys and tell me who your favorites are of this group. We got Nolan Jones, Bobby Bradley, Brian Rocchio, Daniel Johnson, Will Benson, Tristan McKenzie. All those guys are top 100 and top 100 guys in a lot of lists. You want, are you saying to rank them or do you just... Yeah, why don't you give me like your favorite three of that group? How about that? Out of the ones you named? Yep. I'd probably go Nolan Jones, one, Rocchio, two... And probably Daniel Johnson. He's having a really good season. Probably him, but 
I could see the argument for the other guys too. I mean, I I kind of like all of them. Uh-huh. Benson Benson's got a lot of power. He's striking out a ton though. You know, just moved up to high A at the All Star break. So, um, you know, he's kind of one that people go either way on. I like. Uh, I know you didn't list him, but Gabriel Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. He was a J two guy last year, and he's interesting. And um, Ethan Hankins, I love. He was a guy that they drafted last year. I want to say it was in like the third round, maybe. I can't remember exactly when they took him. But he was rumored to be going 1-1 overall, number one overall, and he had a shoulder injury. Mm Mm-hmm. So that discounted him in the draft. And the Indians got him. I, I just can't remember off the top of my head where exactly they drafted him. But um, he's off to a good start this year on that team with uh, Valera that we had mentioned. So, And he's just got he's, – he's got all the talent in the world. He dropped because of the injury. And with a guy like – with guys like that, Give me all the discounts on the talented arm when they're far away anyways. And I don't, you know, even if he's hurt, it's not like he's contributing to my team tomorrow. So it's, it's fine. I love guys like that. What about a Bobby? What about a Bobby Bradley? That guy, high strikeouts, high power guy. What are your thoughts on him? Pretty much just what you said. I mean, high strikeouts, high power. We'll see how it develops. I'm not a huge fan of these guys unless they've got to be hitting like Joey Gallo level power for me to really be too keen on them. And I'm not sure that guy makes it as a major leaguer. I just, I, I, I could see him being one who's around for a few years, struggles getting him holding on to a starting role because he's striking out so much and doesn't make it. We'll see, but. I'm not too I'm not too keen on him as a player. Uh, the only other one I want to mention is Angel Martinez. He's another one that I grabbed some shares of, and he's having a real good s- season in rookie ball here too. Is he's only is he even what is he? Yeah, he's 17 and a half right now, but hitting hitting for a good average, good speedster on them on the pads so far, and walking and striking out about the same amount of time. That's another guy who's caught my eye, but. Yeah, yeah, they're just they're just flush stacked stacked at the low minors. I mean, Daniel Espino they drafted. He's got a ton of ups. Every everything they say about him is upside. Everything you hear, upside, upside, upside. And you know he's kind of a short righty, but um, Oviedo's another young pitcher. Mm-hmm. Lenny Lenny Torres. He had Tommy John, I think, recently, but. Yeah, they're just they're just really stacked at those low levels. So, give it another. I would say probably in about two years they might have the best farm system in baseball. Yeah, they, we could be talking about them kind of like we're talking about the Padres now. Unless, obviously, unless they sell off a lot of this to try and win, which that's an option too. So, yeah. But those you got to give that scouting department credit for what they've been doing. They've built no something doubt. there, and yeah, that GM 
I don't even know who their GM. Do you know who their GM is for the Indians? Uh, I forget his name off the top of my head. Well, GM, you should be very happy with your scouting department. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Andrew. Well, that closes out the first half. We've got the Indians and the Twins down, and we've got some real barn burners to go. Well, we got the White Sox. They're going to be fun to talk about. But then we get to talk about the Tigers and Royals. You excited about that? (laughs) (laughs) We'll find something. I mean, it's baseball, right? That's right. That's a good way to say it. The at the very least, we have the White Sox, and they are going to be fun to talk about because they've got a lot of guys that are pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah. All right, man. Mitch Garver just hit another homer. Well, good deal. Good deal. That's <laughs> that's my boy. <laughs> I've got to admit, I picked him up for pretty much free in my startup dynasty this year, so I'm happy to see that. Nice. Okay. Well, you got anything else before we get out of here? Nope, that'll do. Okay, well, I hope you guys all enjoy the Home Run Derby. And we're going to be back. I'll probably try to get that second podcast out right after the All-Star game. So you guys got something there during that dead time while we're waiting for real games to come back. So take care, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, take care, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. Once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year.